Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Matt to Rumpets. Matt, now that Kimmy has made public drunkenness cool again, there's nothing stopping us getting absolutely plastered. No, well, there wasn't anything anyway, but at least we won't look tragic as a result. I like it. Part two of the season review coming up. Why don't you just tease us and tell us which three teams we're covering this week? Well, I, in order to make it entertainable, I figured we'd go for Red Bull, which I think you've heard of. I have. Ah, very good. Renault and Haas. So Haas about that, baby. We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. I'm also joined by mild-mannered accountant Nick Numbers Alexander, bravely making his missed apex debut how's it going nick doing very well we declared a national or not a national a state of emergency here in north carolina because we got two inches of snow so just want to let everyone know that i'm fine and i have survived snowmageddon 2018 sounds like you're making your problems our problems but i guess we'll roll with that we've also got a third extra panelist on the team to represent a team in this part two season review that we're doing it's our very own mad scientist, Kyle Plasma Power. How's it going, Kyle? Yeah, very well, thanks. Very happy to be back. Good. Right then, Nick is going to be representing Red Bull this week. We're going to have Kyle in his Renault shirt representing Renault for this season review. Uh, but I think we're going to start off with Matt, who, being an American, is going to represent Haas. All right, Trumpets, set the stage for us a little bit. So we're going to have a team each out of the three of you. I am judge and jury. 
on where we end up putting these teams on the magnificent board of awesomeness. This is true. You are a judge. I don't know why I thought that was a good idea, but there you go. It's too late now. We're all in. Indeed. And we will start, as always, with the teammate battle before we roll into where we think the team belongs. And I I do have to say, although I have named it the magnificent board of awesomeness, someone did point out if it was the awesome board of magnificence, then the acronym would be ABOM. So we may have to think about that a little bit. What's in a name? We can call it whatever we want. You just let me know. You're going to start off by representing Haas, the American dream team that came into F1 with real ambition, played it smart, paired off with Ferrari to get a little bit of help, an undisclosed amount of help. How do you think they did this year? In fact, why don't we start with the actual drivers? So we've got Kevin Magnussen from Denmark and Roman Grosjean from Cookery Class. Absolutely. And I have to say, looking at the numbers, that this year's teammates battle pretty much has to go to Magnuson. He scored 56 points to Grosjean's 37. He, um, uh, Grosjean was faster in qualifying, uh, but Magnuson did finish higher overall and he made up ground overall. And frankly, he just plain old finished more races overall. He had three DNFs. Uh, one of which was the wheel in Australia, another of which was a, was a disqualification uh, compared to Grosjean. So it was basically four to one in terms of who took themselves out. And what sells it for me, Magnussen had a proper fast lap for an entire Grand Prix and Grosjean did not. So I think he wins this year's teammates battle hands down. Well, let's go over to Kyle Power, who is the nearest thing we've got to a racing driver. Now, you do karting with Jeansy, don't you? And you're in a team with him, and you do the BRKC uh, that Brad Philpott runs. Who's faster with weights equal, you or Jeansy? I have to say me. I'm sure Alex would disagree, but I'd have to say it's me. If you could quantify it by how much, like one order of magnitude better? Um, Sim racing, probably about half a second. Real life, probably two temps. Two tenths. So he's kind of your Rosberg to your Hamilton. Yeah, you could say that. You said that. I didn't, but I'll agree. <laughs> so Magnussen didn't impress when he went across and raced against Jensen Button. But more and more in Haas, he seems much more comfortable. Are we seeing Grosjean flatter him? Or are we seeing old elbows out K-Mag just actually coming into his own now? Uh, I think we're seeing K-Mag coming more into his own. I mean, he's his continued his string of absolute filth. Throughout the season, he's very good at stitching other drivers up. But his, um, yeah, he's comfortable at Haas. He's started to deliver some really solid results. And to be honest, the one who looked like they were losing their head at the beginning of the season was Grosjean. So I kind of agree with Matt on that, that, that Magnussen was the more solid driver of the season. I see, Trump, Trumpets, how long was it before Grosjean scored a point? It Wasn't it something really daft, like eight races? Yeah, I, I'd actually have to go back and look because I didn't even bother. But it was the whole first third of his season was just basically a, a what can I hit and how can I hit it kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah, so it could be a little from column A, a little from column B, couldn't it? We could have seen an inform Kevin Magnussen also being slightly flattered by Roman Grosjean. But I think I don't think anyone is saying that Roman Grosjean has had a great season this year. Uh, I think you're, you're definitely right there. K-Mag is the pick of those two drivers. Yep, and and people are bringing up the penalty points too in the chat room, and you're correct to do that. Grosjean did, he was at risk of a race ban, if I'm remembering that correctly, like perilously close. 
Yeah, so just in every single department. I think he got 11, didn't he? 11 yeah, penalty points. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, his previous race ban was all done in one corner. So I think he did quite well to string it out over the course of a season, to be honest. Uh, let's see. Overall, though, I would say that you classify yourself as a, a harsh well-wisher at the very least. And I think if I only had one British team to support, I would have a little bit of my heart behind that. What were your expectations for this season? Because in Australia, for example, you looked at that pace out of the box and you go, oh, hello, what's happening here? Yeah, well, this is a complicated and nuanced thing to unpack. I think if you're looking solely at championship position, I'd have to be disappointed because they were clearly the fastest team in the midfield. But they were not as consistent as I'd have liked them to be. I can give them a small pass because this is, after all, only, what, their third full season? So uh, you'd like to see some of the operational details kind of sorted out a little bit better. But the real reason why I'm going to go with they exceeded my expectations, it's not just because they had the speed on the midfield, but it's because Ferrari has a new best friend in Sauber. So we know that at this point, the positions Haas are getting are based solely on their own merit uh, and not anything to do with uh, getting um, you know, back-channel information from Ferrari. Not that I'm saying that happened, but potentially it could have in some scenarios. It probably did happen, though, didn't it, Nick? Allegedly. Allegedly. So Matt mentions operational aspects of Haas that he's hoping for some improvement on. And I'm just wondering if you meant by operations – putting the tires on the car securely so that they can drive away from the pit lane. So in Australia, as we all know, they were running P5 and P6 and back-to-back pit stops, unsafe release, tires came off. They threw away all those points. And that would have been 25 points. And they were only 30-something points behind Renault at the end of the season. So Ooh, that would have right? they, they could have they really could have potentially finished fourth in the constructors, which is the best that you can possibly hope for, hope for. So it's actually kind of hard to be disappointed in their finishing place, except for obviously that they blundered it. Kyle, can you remember if those uh, pit stop failures were on the same tire and the same guy, or were they different tires, different guy? No, I think it was different tires, different different guy um i i think they're both front tires that went i think it was either side please correct me if i'm wrong but i yeah i don't think it was the same guy so it's going to be perhaps a manufacturing issue rather than just like you know johnny from from wheelnut four garage two uh ended up stuffing everything up and i felt really bad for that bloke because he, he clearly took it upon himself that famous picture of grosjean going over and hugging him and saying no it's all right it's highly unlikely that it was an individual in the race day crew that was to blame for that incident. No, I think it was. Um, I think it was the wheel gun or wheel the integral wheel nut design into the wheels. The first time they're That's using it, it. they hadn't yes. come across a problem. It was something like that. Good memories, guys. <laughs> um, right, uh, you can join the chat room. By the way. If you want to go and join the chat room, just go to YouTube, search Missed Apex Podcast. When we go live, as long as you've subscribed and clicked the little bell, you'll get a notification and you can watch this stream on your phone with the live chat. And it's just great seeing the stream of content coming from those live chat people. Uh, we could spend all day sitting and reading this. It's a great live energetic forum. We'd love you to come and join them. All right, Trumpets, where are we going next with Haas? Well, I think the place to go is, compared to my expectation, I think they exceeded it because of the Ferrari deal. 
But in terms of the championship, yeah, I, I agree with Nick wholeheartedly. Um, I had a whole woulda, coulda, shoulda section. And it's very clear they lost points there. They lost points from the disqualification too. I mean, they were really the class of the midfield once you factor in for those uh, for those unforeseen circumstances. And if you're going to ding them, like I said, it's at the operational level. The design doesn't work. We didn't have backups planned. It's getting both cars into the points more consistently. And, and that's a, that takes time. So I'm willing to give them that. But I have to say that if I was going to rank them on my magnificent board of awesomeness, that, and now this may be controversial. And remember, this is not based on their championship at all. I'm going to argue they should be first madness oh this is utter madness let's hear this ridiculous filth you're about to spew because i was going to put them about eighth eighth what 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 are they like worse than mclaren are you nuts that's oh sorry no ad hom i do apologize have you temporarily (laughs) taken leave of your senses I love how much you struggle to just not plain insult me when we're actually live on the podcast because you have no such qualms uh, offline at all. Uh, okay, McLaren though, no expectation on them whatsoever. Very little support. Financially, it doesn't look like they're getting the sponsorship and they are a team that has been in decline since 2013. Haas came in and however much you think they don't have a partnership with Ferrari right now, they certainly did. And they certainly had the potential to be right up in the top three, top four. I think the aim for them this season should have been fourth place. And I think they've fallen well short of that. Uh, I don't think they fell well short of it at all as they finished fifth. And it, as we've seen, One short, take then. away the Australia and the disqualification, and they would have finished fourth. But I'll tell you why. So I'll make my argument. Fair, fair enough. You're, you were allowed to, to make me defend my position. Uh, first and foremost. I'm going to argue that even being there or thereabouts with Renault, a team with a much longer history and a much higher budget alone qualifies them. Agreeably, Magnuson with his penchant for salty quotes and Grosjean on the radio has to be worth a lot of awesomeness points. I mean, yeah, I know Kimmy is good, but let's think about it. What's the quote we all remember? Oh, yeah, that's right. It's the one I can't say on this program. Well, the steering wheel one. From Magnuson? Oh, that one. Oh, no. That wasn't from this season, though, does it? That was that was last season. But you get my point. You get my point. He provokes drama in the midfield, and I say this is nothing but good for the sport. And let's face it, Ferrari totally, totally tossed them under the bus doing the deal with Sauber. Now Ferrari has a new best friend, but it doesn't matter because they rocked up anyways. And at that, let's face it, they're also under attack from Formula One management themselves, trying to trying to nick an extra 30 million out of them just to be nice to force India. And they've stood up and said, no, sorry, not having it. You're not going to push us around. We might be new, but we understand how this game is played. And let's face it, even to them entering the sport, they showed up. They did such a clever deal with Ferrari. The stewards had to write a literal novel about it to keep other teams from taking advantage of this they clearly understand how the game is played and unlike any other team on the grid i really do believe this they have taken the rules exactly as they are and made the most of their resources they've gone on to prosper and achieve and this is a very personal thing despite not being taken that seriously by the sport nobody expected them to do the, do well and frankly i feel like 
when it came to Eccleston, who was in charge when they first joined, I think he viewed them as a bit of a, well, I hate to use the word patsy, but I'm going to use the word. I think he saw them more as a mark to provide money to the sport than a team that could seriously compete. And they have outdone all of that. So this is why. And let's face it, if we're going to talk midfield and sharpen, it's got to be the midfield. The midfield has to be the best. They're the best value for money we have. Wow. Towards the end there, you were even interrupting your own sentences. Kyle, answer all 74 of Matt's points in order. <laughs> uh, no, look, here's the conceit now is we are going to place them on the board of awesomeness. Matt is saying first at the moment. You and Nick get a quick say. And then me as the judge will will use my fair hand to place them provisionally on the board of awesomeness. I completely disagree. I don't think they should be first. Um, Tell I us think at length. We apparently each make 17-minute points, so do continue. Okay, okay. Settle in. Okay, well, no, um, I think they're still, even though the deal was not quite as um, uh, sweet as it was before with Ferrari, I still think they are essentially a car assembler rather than constructor. They mm. still have quite a lot of help from Ferrari. They get oh. Delara to build their chassis um, and stuff like that. So I think comparing them to a proper constructor like Renault, I don't think that they can place higher. It's just, it's just, it's just not fair. So I would place them a very sound seventh. It's very harsh words. You've actually used a seventh. That is, yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, you've said they're more of a car assembler than a car manufacturer. Trumpets repost. Uh, so you're saying that they're cheating by following the rules as they're exactly written? Oh yeah, yeah, that's definitely Formula One there. No, they design all their own aero. They get zero help from Ferrari. They're three-tenths to half a tenth faster than any other team in the midfield. I mean, whatever, Delara builds their chassis so they don't have to do that in-house. But that's perfectly legal and acceptable wait a minute, wait a under minute. Matt, the current rule. Matt, I'm going to pick up your straw man because you, uh, you just answered the point, which would have been valid, had Kyle accused them of cheating. I'm not sure he did. I think he just redefined his position on what that team's ethos is. Now, RJ Bone in the chat room says that I have a fair ham hand. How dare you, sir? How dare you? It's a neutral podcast. Nick Numbers Alexander, you are a Ferrari sympathizer uh, and presumably also a Haas sympathizer. Right. So they're only about 40 miles down the road from where I'm podcasting today. So there's going to be some bias and it's kind of becoming maybe a recurring theme or a meme that I'm going to come in somewhere in the middle, but you guys practically spread the whole list of the teams. So I, of course I have to come in the middle last week. I already ranked Ferrari first, so I'm not going to rank Haas first, but I'm not going to be harsh on them. I'm going to be giving them more credit. I have them at third. Oh, right. Okay. That's interesting. So what I'm going to do is I like a lot of Matt's arguments. I, I I think Kyle, though, has hit the nail on the head. So what I'm going to do, Matt, is I'm going to give you a chance to defend Haas because I'm going to put them fourth at the moment unless you can tell me that their protest against Force India was cool because I don't think that was cool. I snorted out my beverage when I heard that Haas was... A, a, I mean, the headline was a little misleading. But when it says Haas accuses Force India of not building its car... Me feeling much the same as Kyle does, I really did do a spit take. So fourth, unless you can tell me, if you want them up to third, tell me that that protest was okay. Well, I want them up to first. The protest was okay because Force Racing Point, Force India, built zero chassis. Force India, Sahara built them. They are not the same team. And this all came out during the summer break. 
So it simply is a matter of, of basic fact. No, they did not build that car. They did not design that car. They built that car. They bought that car and design in what amounts to a bankruptcy sale, which is how we call it over here. I know you have your fancy words over there. So that's one. And, and plain and simple, they didn't. And in fact, what made it worse and what's really about is when they had the meeting about it, they told them that it was going to be the same team. Then the terms changed and they went ahead anyway without informing any of the other teams that the terms had changed. So they have a very real grievance here. All right, Nick, he's winning. I'm putting them up to third unless you can repost. Well, I agree with third. So oh. I just wanted to add one point was that it's not about who built the car or who did the design work. It's about who owns the intellectual property Boom. of the design. Agree. So the the accusation from Haas was that the new purchasers did not obtain the intellectual property rights. Therefore, they it's not their car. Quickly, Matt. Quickly, I will correct you on a matter of fact. You're not allowed to buy things from competitors. So Haas was viewing Force India Sahara as a competitor and raising Point Force India as having bought intellectual property from them. That was the nut of the dispute. The resolution was when they went out of business, they were no longer a competitor. Therefore, it was okay. That also supports Haas building, having Delara build their chassis, though, by the way. Just want to point it out. Not a quick point. Nick, an actual my, my, quick point. My actual quick point, if that's true, then that is a very stupid accusation and argument from Haas, and I bump them down a spot. I don't know who gets bumped up, but that does, that's dumb. Haas will go provisionally on fourth. Matt, you can boo all you want. Let me take a time out to say hello to you guys and thank you for being with us all season. Now, presumably, not all 16,000 souls that tune in hate me. So maybe you want a little bit more from me. Well, lucky you, you can. If you want some radio background, why not Spanners? Download the latest episode of my local radio show on BBC Cambridgeshire by using the BBC Sounds app. That's right. You can use the BBC Sounds app to listen to me, to type spanners in, and you can listen to some, you know, some pretty decent music that I like to choose, some local radio-friendly music. But also, we have interesting topics there, like you can hear about when my wife and I conducted a marital dispute over WhatsApp voice notes, except the voice notes were in a group chat. I shared that on the air. I use it as therapy, and a lot of people got in touch and shared their stories as well. Thankfully, both the travel ladies' stories were far more horrific than mine. So, I don't know. You can follow me at Spanners Ready or at Spanners BBC on Twitter. You can friend me on Facebook. Just search Spanners Ready and get in touch. I, a few of you have done that and just sent me little private messages. And I mean, email's kind of cool for a correspondence back and forth, but sometimes it's nice to just sit and have an instant messaging chat. If I'm around, I'm happy to do that. Another way you can hang out with us guys is to come iRacing with us on Tuesday. So Tuesday evening at 8pm UK time. We will do some US-friendly times at some point as well. Uh, it looks at the moment like we've got a 17-car grid, uh, although one of those people might have been banned from iRacing recently. We won't name him. Uh, but it looks like a 16- or 17-car grid at the moment. It's going to be great fun. We'll have a Discord chat open. If you want to join in on that and you're on iRacing, then what you need to do is you just need to go there, go to the user-created races, search for Missed Apex. There'll be three sessions. So what you need to do is join the 8 p.m. one, and then the first race will start around quarter past. 
At the end of that, you look for the Missed Apex 8.45pm race and you jump into that as well. And we're going to stream that as well. I think we're going to stream it on a private stream, so you might have to look for our social media. The password for all those races will be Spanners. Now, if you want to be on the mailing list for this series of events, then why don't you get in touch with me any way you can, Twitter DM, Facebook message, or you can email me spannersready at gmail.com. If you do that, I will make sure you always get all the details of the events, including the admin for this one. I hope to see you there. Kyle Powers, you're going to defend Renault and you've put on a Renault shirt. Why do you, why do you have a Renault shirt? Cause I'm, I'm pretty sure Renault are most people's 10th favorite team. Like if you had to choose, if you had to choose one team to get caught in a snowdrift on the way to the Grand Prix, most people would choose Renault. Why do you have a Renault shirt? Yellow and black combination win. That's all I need to say. You're just, a big, you're just a big fan of bees and wasps. Yeah, exactly. It's brilliant. It's a very good looking, um, very good looking car, very good looking shirt. It fits very nicely and it was a present. So you're reminding me of a report I had at work once where my manager could not think of a single nice thing to say about me and said, Richard is always well turned out. Ah, oh, geez. <laughs> Thank you very much. Why don't we start by looking at the teammate battle and, uh, and tell me what you think of the personalities we've seen this year because, you know, Loads of people had high hopes for Carlos signs, and it doesn't quite seem to have hit. No, I think the teammate battle's pretty clear cut between Hulk and Sainz. Um, out of the qualifying, um, Hulkenberg is 13-8 to Hulkenberg, uh, an average gap of just over a tenth in Hulkenberg's favour. Um, yeah, and then obviously the championship portrays that as well. Hulkenberg finished seventh on 69 points. Sainz was tenth on 53 points. Um they both had a best finish of fifth. Uh, Science was at Baku, which was that crazy race. And Hulkenberg's was also at another crazy race, which was, of course, Hockenheim. Um, it just goes to show how probably mediocre Renault were, that they have to have crazy races to be able to achieve fifth places. Um, Science actually finished more races than Hulkenberg. He finished, um, he was finished or classified in 19 of them. But he finished lower than his quality position on nine separate occasions than that. Now, this is the telling fact for me. Hulkenberg or finish was classified in 14 races, but he always finished higher or equaled his qualifying position. That speaks volumes. So, um, and so, yeah, so science has finished more races. He's dropped more quality positions and he's finished behind in the championship. It's a, it's a slam dunk for Hulk as far as I'm concerned. But if Hulkenberg had at any point got into a podium position, he would immediately have crashed or retired the car. So it's only because he failed to get into the top three that the Hulkenberg curse didn't kick in, Nick. You may have something there. Um, curse th- is a real everyone. I, I have an obvious German bias. I am a big fan of Nico Hulkenberg. Sometimes regret that he doesn't get more television coverage. Renault in general don't get a lot of television coverage. Sometimes we're focusing on the battle at the front or even when we're focusing on the battle in the midfield, they may be so far ahead of that that they've found themselves often in kind of a no man's land. I'd be really interested to get Kyle's thoughts on where he imagines Renault will be next year. I would really like to see them develop more, spend more money, put more behind that works machine and get it up closer to the front end because it's not at the back end. Oh, indeed. Um, it's all about next year for Renault. They, uh, a couple of years ago, they set out this rhetoric of a five-year plan, which we've heard several teams say before. But actually, um, and 
and this reflects on where I position them on the chart of awesomeness, um, I think they had a team that have actually achieved their target. Uh, in 2016, they, yeah, they finished ninth with only eight points. In 2017, 17, they finished sixth with 57 points. 2018, they finished fourth with 122 points. That's a good trajectory to have. They're going up and up. They've spent some serious money now. They're getting more people in. They've now acquired a star driver. I think next year is podiums. It has to be podiums. And as a quick little side point, do you guys know when the last Renault podium was? Well, before Hulkenberg joined, presumably. Well, I can steal it from your show notes, but I won't do that. Why don't you tell us who it was? <laughs> Amazingly, and I was quite um I was quite amazed when I found this out. It was actually back in twenty eleven in Malaysia. Nick Heidfeld, no less. It's been seven long years before since a Renault podium. See, now you're charting this this growth path for Renault and, and saying it's all optimistic. However, let's not erase history. Let, let's not yellow wash the history bo- books here. The expectations were much higher for Renault. And everyone was kind of saying, you know, this is a big manufacturer. It's a huge works team. It's Nissan. I, I remember people getting properly excited. You're shaking your head. Are you saying that that's all external from Renault? Yeah, that's all external. I don't think Renault have made these sort of McLaren-esque claims of <laughs> grandeur that they're going to achieve. Um, yeah. They've been very kind of honest. It's kind of a sort of very dignified way of going about it, a la sort of Honda, really. They've kept their heads down. They've not made any wild predictions, and they have followed the trajectory which they set out to do. It's a five-year plan. They're now three years into it, and I, I think they're on course. Uh, you're getting yelled at in the chat room, uh, them saying that Heidfeld, Heinfeld, Heinefeld, never raced for Renault well according my stats thing it was 2011 Nick Heidfeld maybe that was Lotus according to my stats page and the stats wrong well let's verify that trumpets you were trying to get in yeah I was just going to say well if they weren't making these bold claims why have they hired Daniel Ricciardo first of all and second of all how many fourths did they have because I'm pretty sure Haas had at least one Yes, no, they didn't get any fourths, but I don't think signing a star driver is making a claim of we are going to finish here. It's saying we mean business. We are going to try to finish it. I think that's them being proactive. And that's exactly what Mercedes thought when they signed Lewis Hamilton. Yes. I When we get yeah, onto the yeah. Red Bull bit, because uh, Nick is going to be covering Red Bull later, I'll tell you why Ricciardo is uh, Renault. It's not going to be a very popular decision. I'll tell you that. So you think... The expectations weren't high. So you think that this is exactly where they thought they were going to be, just beating Haas, a Ferrari customer team, uh, on the uh, points-adjusted League of Justice? Yeah, I think I think on paper, finishing fourth, best of the rest, winners of Formula 1.5 and the drivers and the constructors, um, on paper, yeah, they're probably bang on target. On pace and reality, no, they're probably quite far away from where they wanted to be. But it's I think that mainly is to do with what's going on in Vinny and on the engine side rather than in Enfield on the chassis side. Oh, I see. So you think that the Renault engine is still a weak point for them? Uh, yeah, I arguably, I believe that they are the weakest engine now. I think they may have fallen behind Honda in terms of absolute power and arguably reliability as well. Mr. Trumpets, with absolute power comes something, something that didn't land. Nope, not at all. I had no idea what you're referencing. No, I mean, come on. Like, you're going to sit there and pretend that, oh, yeah, Renault finished fourth. Renault are a manufacturer. 
Preach. And they barely finished fourth. And quite frankly, minus Australia, probably wouldn't have finished fourth. They didn't get as many high finishes. And arguably, you could say that their driver pairing was should have been stronger. I don't know how you can make the argument that they even met your expectations. I, I, they did. They did. They they were never expecting to be getting podiums. They knew, they admitted from a very early stage, they knew that they're down on the power side. They know that their chassis is a bit behind, well, quite a bit behind Red Bull. And they absolutely stated that fact that it's good their engine is in the Red Bull to see what it can do. They mean business. They're building for the future. This was never meant to be a breakthrough year for them. I think you've just contradicted yourself, Mr. Power, if that really is your name. Seems unlikely, doesn't it? It's like one of those those names you give yourself to seem sexy and powerful. But I think that... Uh, you said that the problem is coming from the power unit, but as you've just stated, they've got the same power unit as Red Bull and they are light years behind. So there's obviously something fundamentally not wrong, but insufficient in their setup. And I I can't see that next year they're going to have this magic gun solution that means they are going to beat uh, beat Red Bull chassis-wise. They're not throwing the same resources at it as, say, Mercedes with a 1,000 employees. No, they're not. But again, like they knew, they know where the problems are. They made a point of, like, they are never going to get near Red Bull. Red Bull, they finished a three and a half times more points than them. Red Bull are amazing. We know Red Bull makes the best chassis. It's the greatest reference. That's if they have their engine, they put it in the greatest chassis on the grid, it can achieve race wins. They know they're not the best chassis. They're purely in a building stage and they're using them as a reference. I think they've used this as a learning year. I think they've already had several learning years. Right. We're going on to the magnificent board of awesomeness now. In my head, I think how we got it. Should have written this down, Matt. Ferrari are provisionally first. Haas are provisionally fourth. And Toro Rosso are provisionally eighth, I think. What other team did we do last week? In Forest India. Where do you propose initially putting Renault on the awesome board of magnificence? I think they deserve a good, honest sixth place. Ahead of Haas in my books... As they delivered on their upwards trend, one, they've got the best livery. And let's face it, at least they built their own car. <laughs> oh, I do not. I, I was going to completely slam you until that very last point. Uh, no, no, I will completely slam you. You are completely nuts. As far as I'm concerned, Renault with the worst team on our magnificent board of awesomeness. I am voting that Renault be down even lower than Williams and even lower than McLaren. I propose that they be 10th, Kyle. No, never. How can they be behind McLaren? They finished with double the points of McLaren. McLaren making all of the arrogant gestures. Now we can fight. Now we can fight. No, you can't. Renault did it. They did it honestly, and they did it on merit. So I stats don't lie, and they finished fourth. Kyle, McLaren's next sponsor is rumoured to be Tom Cruise, who has happened to just walk past the car, and in mark pen is going to write, Scientology is okay, with a kiss. Right, that's going to be their sponsor next year. And Renault have Nissan behind them. Trumpets, just tell him. I used to like this guy. I, well, yes, I agree. You have temporarily, once again, taken leave off whatever senses you might have once possessed. They protested oh. Haas because Haas had like a one millimeter extra gap in their floor, which was insane and ridiculous and should never have been done. But third, and you say they came by it fairly. So these are your words, my friend. Let's talk about all the Renault power units that did not finish races. How many Renaults at Renault did not finish races? 
Well, I think there was only five at Renault oh, that didn't finish oh, races. What about at McLaren? Um, there was six. Uh-huh. And Red Bull? Um, eight. Yeah, sounds completely fair to me. Uh, no, uh, just pick the best engines for themselves and send the rest on to their customers, did they? No, no, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Not decided. You're totally, totally, totally wrong. Um, the inaudible French noise that is still repeatable, even insinuated during during the season, <laughs> that that Red Bull are not packaging packaging the engine correctly, and it could be Red Bull problems rather than Renault, and that could be quite true as. You can see Red Bull had a lot more failures than Renault did. I'm dying. I'm going to have to mute for a bit. I was just going to request that Spanners write this time down to put in the comment of the week bumper for the audio, for our audio listeners. He's not, he's not eligible. Nick, you've got the last words on this. So Nick is bonkers. Me and Matt have called him on it. Are you going to side with Kyle's madness? I would put them at right around sixth, yeah, even if I disagree with all of his logic. Don't think they have the best delivery, but I think that some of his other arguments in their favor should have maybe brought them up a little bit higher sixth. Well, it falls to me. You've all made good and passionate cases, but I feel I feel very, very strongly that Renault are, are the worst. A tenth, should be tenth on our magnificent board of awesomeness for kyle's brave wrong but brave defense i'm gonna i'm gonna knock that up one space I'm, i cannot put them above toro rosso i just can't and since we put toro rosso eighth provisionally i'm gonna put renault provisionally ninth so in future kyle if you want to bump renault up you're gonna have to shove some teams underneath them uh, next week uh, all right then This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Tell you what, Matt, why don't we go to another team who's left to contest for a place on the Mist Apex magnificent board of saying it differently every time a magnificent awesomeness. Well, I think there's only one team left for us to look at, and that would be a team from the sharp end that shares a power unit with a team we just finished discussing. But no more. The divorce is final. Red Bull. Representing Red Bull, Nick Numbers Alexander. Shall we start with the drivers? We can start with the drivers. Head to head, it was all max all the time. He outqualified Daniel 15 to 5 by about a tenth and a half over the course of the season, which was a little bit of a surprise to me. Looking back, I don't remember it really. I remember it being more competitive. I remember, obviously, Daniel had more than his fair share of bad luck, which maybe resulted in some more grid penalties. But yeah, on Saturday, Max was faster. And in the 13 races that they both finished, Max was ahead eight out of 13 times. And this is the key point where you say where they both finished. So um, there was that race early on where the Red Bull suddenly had the best tactics. Was it Bahrain? Where they China. S- China. Okay, so both the Red Bulls shot out and suddenly had tons of pace on everyone. But it wasn't Daniel Ricciardo that was the car leading that. That was Max Verstappen's race to win. And, and he blew it by making contact, Matt. Am I remembering that correctly? Oh, you are. Yeah, so that in that race, that wasn't Daniel Ricciardo demonstrating pace over Max Verstappen. That was that was a gift. All right, to be fair, Ricciardo didn't hit anybody, whereas uh, Max did. And he did make that stunning move down the inside of Bottas. But I think the point stands, doesn't it, Nick, is that when they've both been on track competing, Verstappen's had the measure of Daniel. He has, but to be fair, I did exclude the races from which Verstappen crashed out. And you have said that not crashing into things is a very important skill of a racing driver. So you do have to give Daniel a good heap of credit for keeping his head together in China. But but I think, Matt, here's the point, though. It was in Max's hands. So it was Max's to lose all season long. And, and he did lose it sometimes. But it wasn't in Daniel's hands. He was dependent on Max making a, a mistake or retiring. Uh, at the point at which they went through the pits, yeah, uh, Max was leading. But I will also point out, along those same lines, and to be taken into consideration, um, that that's not the only time Verstappen has had a win in sight and thrown it away with foolish contact. List them. Brazil? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's quite recent. <laughs> and um, And I believe, if I'm not entirely mistaken, not that I want to steal Nick's thunders, but... What was our final wins tally between Ricciardo and Verstappen? Go on, Nick. Okay, so Ricciardo had two. He had one in China and Monaco. And interestingly, those were his only podiums. And Max won in Austria and Mexico. I want to defend Ricciardo slightly, Kyle, because once he announced that he was going to Renault, which was pretty early on, you can't help but suspect that you know, it's just the 50-50 decisions and the 50-50 development paths. They're going to start concentrating on Verstappen, even though outwardly there's no team orders, etc., etc. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it was quite ironic that he started getting the lion's share of all the reliability um, problems. Yeah, that but, didn't help. But but then he's signed for Renault, so why would 
my love my beloved Renault do that to him. They wouldn't do that to him. <laughs> it's okay. Um, it's okay, so, Kyle. It's over. You don't have to. You don't have to do I this think, to yourself anymore. <laughs> I think it's a Red Bull conspiracy rather than a Renault conspiracy. But let's be honest, Kyle. He's had a good long look at Max Verstappen, and he's seen that his reputation and his stock isn't going to do well against Max. He, he's seen he's seen all the data. Is it fair to go? Hey. I know I'm a good racer, but that guy, for whatever reason, in this team setup, in this car, in the way the team is developing, I can't see a way to beat him consistently. No, I completely agree with that. Plus, Max has the blessing of um, Helmut Marco. Once Helmut Marco chooses a favourite, um, it's probably best for the other driver to jump ship. That's exactly what Ricciardo's done. Plus, Max is a monster. He's proving himself to be an absolute monster and a force to be reckoned with. He's just, he's gone up. It's gone up almost exponentially this year in performances. His the the second half of the season for Max was quite spectacular. Um, so so yeah, I think Ricciardo's done the best thing for his career, and that is get away from direct comparison to him. I think it it feels like there's a, a toxic atmosphere there, and I know a lot of people were defending him in his incident with Ocon, and Ocon was vilified. Two very popular drivers, so the internet was a, a place of very reasoned debate for a week, wasn't it? Um, not really. Uh, that was sarcastic. It was terrible. But in Abu Dhabi, he just admitted that 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 hit was like a a revenge, like a punishment, and that comment almost went under the radar. But he just said, you know, I am still angry at Ocon, and I deliberately hit him with my car. It was a love nudge. That's it, all it was. It was a love nudge. He said it was revenge, though. Like if you're going to come out and say that, like you you're right. That is that is a very big signal of his attitude and intent. Well, he had also suggested or threatened i'm not sure which verb i want to go with here but suggested headbutting journalists who continued to ask him questions about his driving style because although he did have a fantastic last stretch of the season and he was on the podium i want to say five out of the last six races he was crashing in practice crashing in qualifying crashing out wherever possible and was under a lot of fire in the first half of the season, especially after Monaco, where he crashed out of qualifying, had to start from the back. Ricciardo went on the win and he can only manage ninth. Kyle. Yeah, like the start of the season, I think with his comments to the press, I mean, it's amazing he didn't make comments like that earlier. I think it's just a maturity thing. I mean, how old is he? 21? It's just purely a maturity thing. And day in, day out, you are being asked the same questions over and over again. Why did you make this mistake? Why is it happening? I think he did really well to bite his lip to be honest. Um, and I think it's good to have a fiery comment. Okay. Can we just say that people are still bringing up when Lewis Hamilton quoted Ali G, uh, but Max Verstappen seems to get a pass for, I will headbutt people and I deliberately hit him with my car. Trumpets first, then let's hear from Nick. I would just make the point that if he thinks it's bad now, when ostensibly Ricciardo is the older head in the team, imagine how it's going to be next year when he and Gasly are going at it. Oh, wow. And he's the senior driver. That is going to be fireworks. Nick, I don't think Gazzy's going to take that well at all. I don't know. I was just going to say, I don't know how much of immaturity can or age will be more neutral. I don't know how much age explains Max's behavior and the way that he chooses to speak to the media so much as the product of the environment. I mean, you have a whole team that has a, a toxic relationship with all of their vendors and suppliers and all the people who they're supposed to have partnerships with so how can you listen to 
Marco and Horner whine about the tires and the power and Renault and all that day in and day out and then expect the 20 year old driver to come out and be the perfect PR spokesperson. Oh no, Horner's nearly as outspoken as Verstappen, Carl. Whenever any of these incidents comes up, Horner's always 100% behind it. You never hear him really kind of going, no, come on, Max, this is silly. Those days are gone. Oh, it's hilarious. I, I, I love a little spat. It's like a divorce going bad. It's like you go out for a meal with somebody splitting up and they're taking swipes at each other over the table. It's the same thing with Red Bull. So, yeah, how can you expect Max to keep this mature head and ignore all of that? He's, he's going along with the atmosphere within the team. I think you kind of make, yeah, I agree with your point. Uh, Peter Degans in the chat room. Yeah, focus on the bad stuff. Way to go, guys. Buy us much. Let's address this. I have on this show spent entire shows gushing about the talent and pace of Max Verstappen. And I've been on the record and had it clicked out and put on uh, Reddit for people to comment on when I said early in the season, when it looked like Verstappen was doing uh, not so good, I said, no, look. He's still ahead of Ricardo on pace. He's still ahead of Ricardo on race performance. We're not biased against Max Verstappen. But if you come out and say you're going to headbutt people and you hit people deliberately with your car, that is going to draw criticism. You need to just take that. Uh, Kyle, sorry. Yeah, I'd just like to clarify my monster comments about Max. That's a good thing. That's not derogatory. I mean, he's a monster on pace. He's hard to deal with. I mean, he's a fast, fast animal. That's a good thing. Nick? I will also defend Spanners a little bit. You were... Very much anti Vettel Baku 2017. You, you, you clearly have kept a consistent position on intentionally driving into drivers that you're mad oh, at. Yeah. When it comes to deliberately hitting someone with your car, I am consistently against that. <laughs> so no, it's certainly not an anti Max bias. He's a very exciting talent. I love watching him race. Uh, right. Nick, we are going to go on to how did you expect Red Bull to do this year and did they match your expectations last year they started off poorly developed well to the point that they were just about on the level of Ferrari this season that even hasn't happened they never really threatened the top two there was a glimmer of it on some of the very circuit uh, friendly circuits if you like to Red Bull but they didn't show that same drive that they did last year yeah, overall, from a points and results perspective, they still had the same trajectory. The second half of the season was a lot better than the first half of the season, but I wouldn't say that was because of the development of the car so much as they stopped throwing away so many results. I mean, if you go through the beginning of the season, it's just, I mean, one thing after another, it's just wasted points. And we already talked about China. We haven't even talked about Azerbaijan when they crashed into each other. <laughs> Whose fault was it? That was Max's fault. You are biased and you, you hate Holland and the whole Netherlands because actually Holland is just a region of the Netherlands, I think you'll find. I know that now because of many, many emails. Uh, anyway, before we go to the Board of Magnificence and placing Red Bull on that, I would, I would like to give Red Bull a special award for having the best special coveralls that they wheel out at the special events. So... In Austria, they had the Lederhosen coveralls, and then in Texas, they had the cowboy boots coveralls. I mean, it was just really good, wasn't it, Nick? What were you calling those race suits? What was the word you used for those? The race suits that cover all coveralls. Matt, Matt, don't you agree? Yes, it does cover them overall. So yes, coveralls, that makes sense. Yes, I like it as well. And I'm sure Kyle has no opinion. 
So let it makes me feel ill. Please don't say that word. Let's go on to the magnificent board of awesome magnificence. Nick, where would you like to propose putting Red Bull on that chart? And it's not about their points finishing position. We know they finished third, but just overall, based on reasons, what would you like to propose we 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 do? Exactly. Reasons. The best the best explanation for anything. I am going to place them at fourth because reasons. They so the reason I put Ferrari first was because I loved what they added to the spectacle and the narrative of Formula One over the course of the season. I think Red Bull had. I'm great shaking flashes. my head because I've got to call you out on that, and I think Matt's going to as well. Rubbish! You'd have put Ferrari first no matter what. You are, you are just Tafosi. Oh, do you know what? I was trying to think of what the Ferrari version of Hamfosi was. <laughs> I guess it's Tafosi. Trumpets. Were you going to call him out as well? Well, I was going to do that, but more to the point, I was going to ask a follow-up question, which Chat means, does that not mean that we now put Haas third? I had Haas third. Excellent. So, we agree so that perfect. Okay. So you tell me, tell us what you think because reasons, so I can sit back and wait to hear what those reasons are and then subsequently laugh at them. Yes, that's right? exact. Did you not see the Renault bit that Kyle just did? Kyle? I can't see how you can put Red Bull behind Haas when... Red Bull have taken a Renault engine. They've bought, I'm going to go against my beloved Renault a tiny little bit, but they've managed to buy an engine from a manufacturer and then beat them with it. Because How can that be, be not worthy of finishing ahead of us? Well, I think Red Bull have gone a little bit backwards, don't you? In the championship fight. No? No. No, not at all. I think their chassis has, has proved itself once again to be the best chassis night and day out there it's just the engine has gone backwards i think and they've still yet managed to get results out of it so i think red bull have been awesome this year i i i think i i could easily address that the reason haas are ahead is because they're a midfield team and the midfield is inherently better than the manufacturers with all of the money to spend on all of the problems and this is why red bull shouldn't rank any higher than they do so trumpets where do you propose putting red bull on the board um, I, I think I would actually go, uh, this is, this is, this is a tough one, but I think I tend to agree with Nick. I think around fourth is going to be a good spot for them. It's like they, they, they wasted what seems to be a lot of potential, blamed everybody else, had some inter- internal fighting and they let one of the best drivers on the grid walk away from them because they were cheapskates. So yeah, no. Ooh, this has been this has been savage. This has been uh, it makes us seem anti Red Bull, which I've never thought of myself as. Generally, I've always thought of them as a a talented, thrusting, dynamic, technically excellent team. But Nick, I think we're we're kind of nitpicking, aren't we? Yeah. So I was just gonna try to get some nice things about Red Bull into the stream, so that maybe just cut back on the on the email inflow a little bit. So what I was going to say before I was so rudely interrupted by the, the host or whatever. Oh, oh I'm the host or whatever. I'm the guy with the fader, Nick. And I, in fact, because of that, I'm going to interrupt. There's a very important and relevant comment in the chat room from Arshak that says, my bride thinks Spanners is hot. Brackets, go figure. I think you'll agree that that was a very important comment to read. Now do continue, Nick, now that the host or whatever has stopped. Right. Keep trying to derail that train of thought. That's okay. So at the end of the season, I really appreciated when we had three different drivers from three different cars all competing for yes. wins. And we that was the wild card that we needed. That's what we ultimately really want is that three-way title fight or at least race win fight, if not more teams. But we definitely 
don't want just two drivers of the same team or even just really one driver from one team and one driver from the other team. We want that three-way battle, and they provided it at times. I bumped them down out of the top three to fourth because we should have had more than that, but they continually threw it away and blamed other people. And I got tired of listening to Horner complain on Sky. Tell you what, you've, you've all made good cases. They're, they're Without doubt, they're a good team. And you're right. They have been challenging the top two with a massive disadvantage in engine power. I'm torn at the moment whether to put them behind Haas in, in fifth or in, in front of Haas. I think for now, provisionally, I'm going to put them in fifth place just behind where we put Haas. And we're going to have to actually write down some of this, Matt, because I've completely lost track of whether th- these positions are correct or not. Right then. Tell you what, let's give out some awards. I'll hand over to Matt Trumpets, as this entire mess was all his brainchild, so he gets the credit and also any derision for the format. Actually, I've quite enjoyed it. I've enjoyed taking a a closer look, and we could have done our season review and tried to cover all 10 teams in an hour. I think it's been fantastic to sit and spend 15, 20 minutes on each team. It's been a lot of fun. What awards would you like us to nominate, Matt? Well, um, that the question would be, do we have time for them all or do I need to pick just a one? We have five minutes left of our nominated 60 minutes that we never, ever stick to. Ah, uh, yes. Um, then perhaps we should stick to the most improved and least most improved and do the others after the show is over. All right, then. Uh, let's do most improved. Let's go to Nick Numbers Alexander. Nick, people can follow you on Twitter at Nick Alexander F1, if I'm not mistaken. You are not mistaken. My most improved, I think, because the rules are made up and we can just go with reasons, I think most improved would have to be Daniel Ricciardo for getting himself out of the toxic environment that is Red Bull to a works team, which is, it may take longer, it may not happen at all, but in the long in the long run, probably his only real chance at this point of contending for a championship and his reputation and his stock even if Renault doesn't deliver him a title which I really don't think is going to happen he could go there and absolutely smash Hulkenberg and then suddenly Ferrari and Mercedes are going oh wait dude's got skills yeah so it'll be really interesting to see how those two drivers stack up against each other because we give Hulkenberg a lot of stick for not landing a podium but i mean he did outperform science and science was highly regarded and thought we thought he had a lot of potential so if he can do the same to ricciardo we're gonna have to reevaluate what we think about the hulk well to be honest i've i've never felt that i had any reason to think that hulk was spectacular i've always felt that there's potential there but we've not we've not seen it really delivered i've not heard anyone make the argument that hulk is the next undiscovered world champion and carl do you agree yeah, I agree. Next year's going to be brilliant to see how Hulk stacks up against a star driver. I mean, I've never really rated Sainz and I've never really rated that, well, Hulk's teammates before. So it'd be great. Everyone says he's a, you know, he's a brilliant driver. He deserves to be there. It'd be fantastic to see how he stacks up against Danny Rick. Can't wait. Go on then. If you had to bet. Uh, Danny Rick. Yeah, see, I think so. And that's why my most improved is going to go to Max Verstappen. Ha, in your face, Dutch people who think I hate Max Verstappen, or am I lying to appease you? I guess you'll have to make up your own mind. But my reasoning is that this year he has seen off 
Daniel Ricciardo. And I don't think that's any mean feat because Ricciardo beat Vettel. Everyone universally thinks he's fast. He's absolutely, without doubt, a great wheel-to-wheel driver, a great wheel-to-wheel talent and consistent. But Max Verstappen has either through politics or just pure racing and driving skill seen him off and made him go from the the team that's third in the championship to the team that is fourth and I reckon next year probably fifth or sixth. Uh, so yeah, that that is my most improved is gone to Max Verstappen. He is really coming out of his shell now. He is a megastar in F1. Confirmed. Nick? Are you scratching your eye or were you getting my attention? No, I was raising my hand. I would agree with you on Max, and I would have said him until he crashed into Ocon at turn two in Brazil. And then that kind of derailed that most improved argument to me. But I like what you're saying about how it's not just the on the track. It's all the politics and the behind the scenes. He's really done well. Chat room saying that I said it both ways, Ricardo and Ricciardo, because I, I think that you'll find that technically both are perfectly acceptable and there's no reason to get annoyed or email me about either trumpets. Well, I, I have to say that Nick makes a very, very persuasive argument regarding Ricciardo, but, I'm going I'm going to I'm going to stick with my team and I'm going to argue that of all the drivers Magnussen deserves Ooh. most improved for the following two reasons. It's not a bad shout that. Number 1, well, three reasons. Okay, maybe four, but I'm only going to go with three. Reason number 1, he flat out beat his teammate on points. Can't argue. Done. Reason number 2, for all the people complain about how he drives, of his 3 DNFs, only one of them was a collision. So you tell me people complain about his driving, but there's no more, oh, I'm out of the race because I've done uh, stupid thing number seven this season. And finally, and most importantly, show me a single other midfield driver and team that has a fast lap this season. Oh, that's right. It would just be him. Mega. So that's all those awards given out, I think. What's the next award, Matt? I don't have bumpers for any of these, and I'm not going to just sing them on the spot. Chris Wood. Uh, that's okay. Uh, I think we're doing the inverse award, which is the least most improved. Oh, good. So this is this is where we, we're negative. We've been nice and, and positive about people. Let's go to Nick Alexander to be negative. Who out of these six drivers, three teams, etc., do you think has has least most improved? Thanks for that language of that award. That I've stumbled all over that. The least most improved has to go to the supply of power units from Renault to Red Bull that really you would expect would get better over time and not worse. Uh, Well, Matt seemed to imply that it was deliberate. And those are the views of Matt Trumpets at MattPT55 on Twitter and not those of Missed Apex as a whole. Although I'm also going to give least most improved to Renault. Because I just did not buy Kyle's argument earlier that this is just part of their development path. They're a massive manufacturer. They should be knocking on the door of Red Bull by now. And they're not. It's, it's a big fail. It's a big fail. I'd given them time. I think they had enough time to get up to Red Bull. Uh, and I think they have really fallen short. Kyle, without debating that, because uh, I've got the fader, who do you think is the least most improved? I was actually going to completely agree with you. They're into terrible, but actually at least most improved would probably be having me for uh Christian Horner's little digs and swipes at at Renault throughout throughout the year. They're good. They've though. only got more and more little sort of petulant of <laughs> Love it. Christian Horner 
coming out with those comments, showing his human side and engaging with the media has to count as a good thing, though. Because, I mean, we could have him just giving those weird, spieled, you know, Theresa May-style answers over and over again. At least he's got some personality. Yes, I'd like him to deliver it with a bit more wit, some slight underhand comments, maybe. Uh, who else? Who's who's not done their least most improved? Just you, Trumpets? Yeah, just me. Well, and, what, what would you like and to And I'm loath to carry on because I, I know what I'm in for. Uh-oh. But... And and yeah, the Reno thing, that is a really good shout. And I could try and be more general about it and say, oh, you know, the way Red Bull treats their drivers, blah, blah, blah. But I'm just going to say it. It's Max. He kept on hitting things in people when he didn't need to hit things in people. And for all of his speed and brilliance that he has shown on track, the place where he needed to make the most improvement in his maturity and thinking I just didn't see it. Yep. I'm not saying I don't like him. I'm not saying I don't think he's good. But I'm saying if we're talking least most improved, it's the area that needs the most improvement. And especially at the end of the season, boy, did I not kind of see it at all. I mean, yeah, Brazil was bad. Shoving Ocon was worse. Admitting to hitting other cars on purpose was like worse, worse or worse. But then demanding that your punishment not be embarrassing. I just like, I mean, you are inviting this tragedy into your household. Come on, please. Max, do us a solid. Take a deep breath. Count to 10 before you open your mouth and say the words. That's all I'm asking. Tweet at MattPT55. Yeah, but Ayrton Senna admitted, granted a year later when he took Prost out, it was like, yeah, I took him out because it was an injustice. But that's Senna, so it's totally fine, right? Oh, double standards. That is the cards that Kyle is pulling. Kyle, where can people catch up with you uh, on social media and follow your progress at the British Rental Car Championships this January? Okay, I'm on um, Facebook just as Kyle Power. Um, I'm a bit of a dinosaur, so I'm not on Twitter yet, but I'm on YouTube as well. My YouTube account is just Kyle Power. I have several karting videos. Uh, my camera strapped onto my chin so you can hear me rambling and racing at the same time. Would you be a better karting masterclass type person than old Philpot there who keeps telling me I've got basically, what did he say? I've got a complete lack of even the most basic racecraft. I might be slightly more complimentary, yeah. It's yes. built on confidence, you see. You've got to build your confidence. Yeah, and right. You don't destroy you straight off the bat. It's creating a caring, sharing environment. Guys, make sure you tune in next Sunday when we're going to be doing part three of our season review of 2018. We're going to do the final four teams. We're lumping McLaren and Williams in together. And then we're also going to be doing Mercedes. And who else is left, Trumpets? Um, that would be Sauber, I believe. Excellent. Ah, lots to talk about at Sauber, certainly, and lots of driver changes there as well. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, go to at MissedApexF1. You can also catch up with the page on Facebook. There's a Missed Apex page where all the episodes get uploaded to, and there's also a group where you can sit there and chat with us in that very Facebook way. I'm at Spanners Ready, or you can friend me on Facebook by searching Spanners Ready. Until next week, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Missed Apex. We love Max, honestly. We're not biased. Please, please don't hurt us. Well, not Matt. Matt said he hates him. Matt, Matt said he was overrated, but he said he would never say that on the podcast. And he also just 
flat out hates Dutch people. But he's old. You know, that's just the kind of old opinion he has. Hi, Matt. You didn't hear any of that that I just said, did you? Oh, no, not at all. That was a private to the listeners. He only hates two things. People (laughs) who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch. No, we love the Dutch. They're too close to argue. I can't hate the Dutch because I live in New York. Oh, is there a we lot come of... from the Dutch. Is there... Oh, right. Oh, that's why you're tall. Yes. Did you, do you know what the average height of a Dutch person is? Nine feet. No, no one knows. You, you cannot, there's no tape measures from the tailors that reach up that high. And also there's too much cloud cover at that point. You can't really tell what measurement you're taking. They are all absolute giants. My neighbours, my neighbours, 11-year-old, they're Dutch. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that kid is just about taller than me at 11. Yeah, they're just just beasts. Maybe we shouldn't fight with them. And we come back to the recording because somebody pointed out that I forgot comment of the week. Sorry, normally top of my priority list towards the end of the show. And I I do apologize for this rare slip. However, we are going to award comment of the week right now. Comment of the week. That's Mrs. Spanners, by the way, who does all that just in case you were curious. Who is that award going to this week, Trumpets? And try to read out less than 17. That'll be easy because I only have four that I've copied down. Good. So we will start with your friend and racing competitor, Bradley Philpot, who thought he was being very clever when he said, it's ironic that Kyle Power is representing Renault. Oh, nice. I like it, but he can't win. Gets my vote. All right. Uh, Evangelos Eteroclitus, many-time winner of the award, goes, Hulkenberg buys a podium-shaped coffin, lives forever. Nice! Oh, wow! Runners 12 Racing goes with signs as a mixture of Coulthard and Weber. Ouch. And P-Zest Gamer, with absolute power comes Renault's lack of sponsorability. Cutting. But it's it's got to be it's got to be the Elektrikos guy. Read that one again. Uh, Hulkenberg buys a podium-shaped coffin, lives forever. Genius. Comment of the week. And immediately, Brad is in the comments saying, "Strong comments tonight to make his loss look less bad." Look at that. That is so driver. That is such driver much, isn't Isn't it? it? Oh, yeah. Obviously, yeah, it was a a tough crowd. That's right. Limit damage. (laughs) Limit damage. See, I'm the opposite. I want to work, do. And people are like, oh, well done. Congratulations on winning the other day. I'm like, yeah, the standard was very low. And the seven carts behind me all crashed on the first lap in an incident where it could be argued that I caused it. But, yeah, yeah. So I'm the opposite. Bye. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.